Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Um, okay. Welcome back to Talking Next. We just watched a miserable, miserable Game 3 in Atlanta. The Knicks lost 105 to 94. Um, really wasn't that particularly that close. I'm here with my, my good friend Tom, and we're going to talk about the misery that was Game 3. Hey, Tom. Let's talk Knicks. So Tom and I are here reluctantly. We, uh, it's tough to, to try to continue to live the misery because the 48 minutes of watching that game were just so terrible, and now we're going to talk about it. That game was good for roughly, I would say, 1.1 seconds, and that was, <laughs> that was the very end of the, the first quarter. Reggie Bullock got fouled shooting a three, made three free throws. The Hawks just threw the ball out of bounds. Then Randall hit a buzzer beater, so the Knicks went on a 6-0 run in 1.1 seconds to take the lead going into the second quarter. Yeah. And that, yeah. that was all the all the good stuff that happened today. Yeah, Greg, you're right to start with the the positives there, right? Like they say when you're giving feedback, it's like you start with a, a positive, then you then you give the critical feedback and then you end with a positive. That's I don't know if we're gonna be able to end with a positive because we kind of <laughs> gave it all away at the front end there, but um at least you were able to to start on that high note because I don't know. I, I guess we can kind of just even start with the, the starting lineups because that was the big news. That was kind of what had Nick's Twitter buzzing to start this one. There was the first lineup change that we'd seen from Thibodeau all season, right? I mean, you know, injuries aside, like the fact that Derek Rose started for Alfred Payton and Taj Gibson started over in Orleans Noel, that was huge, huge news. And I guess, how did you feel – when you first heard that news, were you excited? Were you nervous? Like, what do you think about the the switch, the changeup? I mean, I, I I was all for it. Obviously, Rose started that second half of game two, and that's when we made our move. I mean, worried that it was going to throw off a little bit of the bench unit with Rose uh, not coming in to finish off that second. But I mean, he plays so many minutes that it's it doesn't even matter. He's playing thirty nine minutes. He played like almost the entire second half today. He was really the only person on the team who did anything at all. So, um, welcome. It was a welcome change. And then with Taj, um, that was a little bit more surprising. I mean, they said Nerlens Noel's was nursing an injury, mm-hmm. so maybe that had something to do with it. But Nerlens looked good today. He played 22 minutes, which was more than what he played in Game Two. I mean, he went to the line and hit 10 out of 12 free throws, which was very impressive. And he looked good, which was good. Yeah, and I, you know you wonder if all the, the Alfred Payton supporters out there, kind of that vocal minority would, will look at this game and be like, see, I told you so, you know, like you can't go switching up the, the rotations, can't go changing things like this in the midst of a playoff series. Um, but, you know, I do think that we had seen enough that the Alfred Payton was hurting the team and to such a degree that th- the change was necessary there. And 
I do think that it's up to Thibodeau to have a plan in place as far as how to stagger minutes. And, you know, I don't envy his decision-making process because, you know, we don't have, usually you'd say, oh, we have to stagger Julius Randle and Derek Rose. Those are your primary shot creators. Julius Randle hasn't been that guy. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk at length about him. He finished this game two of 15 from the field and just, he's a shell of what he was in the regular season through three games. He's had maybe like a quarter and a half of good basketball. And so you can't really be like, Oh, just stagger Randall and Rose because Rose is the only guy who has any answers for this Hawks defense. Um, so it, to your point, it, it almost doesn't really matter <laughs> that Derek Rose started. He's going to get as many minutes as he can possibly handle. And in those minutes when he's off the court, the, the offense is going to deeply struggle. Yeah, yeah. And it's very funny that you say, like, the, the Alfred stands saying that the this, this switch was a thing considering the one-for-one one switch, Derrick Rose for Alfred Pay, and Derrick Rose scored 30 this game. And then everyone else on the team is just bad. Literally everyone. I mean, you mentioned Randall two for 15. One of those was that buzzer beater I mentioned. So, <laughs> R.J. Barrett, two for nine, didn't score in the first half. Just, just a terrible performance by everybody. Yeah, I guess we kind of got to dig into that a little bit. I, I mean, I don't even want to get into – after games one and two, there was just a lot of – both those games were exciting, you know, and so there was a lot of analysis of it, of how we were defending Trey Young in the pick and roll and how Julius Randle started, you know, countering the Hawks' uh, defense and attacking middle. There was just a lot of X's and O's talk. I don't really have any of that after this game. It was just ugly. There was a lack of confidence. You know, there was a, a huge lack of continuity, and I think that some of that stemmed from the officiating where, I mean, even officiating aside, the, the first 45 seconds of the game had three stoppages <laughs> at play because of a faulty shot clock. That was a bad tone to set and was just like kind of cast this weird energy over the, the rest of the game. But then after that, even once the shot clock was fixed, the refs didn't seem like they'd ever officiated a, a professional basketball game before. Like they didn't know what they were doing they didn't know what they were looking for out there and and they just were kind of calling ticky tack fouls and letting hard fouls go and um there was no consistency to the game and so there was no no one was able to really get into a rhythm in that first half and i'm not going to use officiating as as an excuse here because i thought they were bad for both teams and after all that the knicks finished with 30 free throw attempts to the hawks eight so we can't point to the refs as, as an excuse for this one. It was just they kind of fed into that bizarre energy and lackluster effort that we saw tonight. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, despite the free throw disparity, the foul disparity was 21 to 23. So it wasn't like a, all in favor of the Knicks foul-wise. But like you said, I mean, it started out with just – just a, a touch foul on, on Julius Randle, which was, you know, putting two hands on the defender, which they say is, I guess, technically like an automatic foul. But, you know, n- never called, especially when it, like, doesn't matter at all. Then they come right back down the other end and they call John Collins for a, a touch foul, just the same. And and it, it didn't get better from there, to be honest. It, it was just bad. So... I mean, I guess we should probably talk a little bit more about Randall. Like, I don't think that the Hawks did anything di- different in this game compared to games one and two. They they continued to do their, like, force him to the sideline, 
have Clint Capella or one of their bigs waiting for him on the baseline and force him to make a decision, like to make a pass. And again, like Randall wasn't ready for it. It makes you wonder what he's doing preparing for these games if he's not – like I'm sure he's watching – you know, tape from games one and two heading into this one. So it's like, how are you not prepared for this defense? It's been the same each time uh, to my eye. And it's like, he's, everyone's making this same comment on Twitter. He's overthinking. He's not just like reading and reacting. He's not playing with any flow or within himself. He's just over analyzing every play seemingly. And he's just not making the right decisions. He's, he's, you know, making slow decisions and therefore the wrong decisions. So I don't know. Do you, is there anything you think he should be doing differently beyond just like, dude, make your shots? No, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's just, <laughs> he's missing every single shot during the regular season. This guy was shooting fadeaways on the baseline, like as his go-to jump shot. And we were like, that's good. And yep. today, you know, he's just shooting like regular jumpers and, uh, uh, he's not hitting him, like you said, two for fifteen on on the day. But and that's the story. Like, what else can you even say? Like, that's our best player. It's our star player. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you're you're not gonna like that's that's the beginning and the end of this podcast. Like, yeah, this is like if if on the other side, if Trey Young went two for fifteen, the Knicks are beating the Hawks. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, and and like I said, he hasn't hit a single one of those baseline jumpers in three games. Whereas, I don't think he has, at least. I, no, I don't remember. I, yeah, I don't think he has either. He was hitting like three or four of those a game every, every night. He was the league leader in the NBA from from that spot on the court. Like, no one had made, made more shots from that area that you're describing than Julius Randle. And you're right, he hasn't made one this series. And it's been pretty jarring. And, like, he, he's been getting one-on-one matchups against guys like Danilo Gallinari against like Kevin Herter or sometimes he's getting these switches and he still isn't able to beat his man. Like it's, it's just really disconcerting and and you wonder what's going to change. Like the Hawks haven't changed anything. Their defensive scheme is the exact same. It's all on, it's all on Randall. It's on Thibodeau as well to, to get, to try and get him going. Um, I I thought there was a, a really good tweet from, um, John Schmilk from WFAN and he pointed out how he says I realize the Knicks have 31 points through the first quarter which is great but I do not like their offensive sets still not attacking Trey Young nothing creative to get Randall going as a shooter or passer rows and free throws are carrying them need to find something else and that was the that was after the first quarter it was completely a prophetic tweet because he was exactly right like the all the it was just smoke and mirrors in that first quarter that allowed us to be up one after the first period. And, and those, like, we can't keep running the same stuff. That's the problem is like in the regular season, you can get away with running the same play to start every game and running the same play out of every timeout, which is what the Knicks did all regular season. They ran Spain pick and roll out of every timeout and they ran that same play to get RJ going to the left. You can't do that in the playoffs. Like they're, the Hawks have scouted you at this point. Like you have to really prepare for each game and have counters and the Knicks have had, have had none. So it's, it's weird. I'm, I'm criticizing Randall, but I'm also kind of calling out Thibodeau a little bit. I, I, I think he's been outcoached in this series so far. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's 
and fair. I mean, game one was a toss-up, but that ball bounces our, our way, and Bogdanovich doesn't hit that three. We could have gone up to, well, this game was just nightmarish from not only Randall, but we're, we're, we're going to get to it, I'm sure, but R.J. Barrett, that's your second-leading scorer. He ends up with seven and didn't score in the first half. And his, he just started – he had wide-open shots in that first quarter where he's, you know, we said in the second half of the year he's one of the best three-pointers, three-point shooters in the league, and he just wasn't on at the beginning of, of the game. And that, that hurt. And, you know, if your first best player is not going to be good, you're going to need your second best player to be good. And if he's not good, then, then you're definitely going to lose. And at this point, like, you have to think that Derrick Rose is definitive, definitively your second best player. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, like, RJ has struggled so mightily, and he – it's hard to even know what he should be doing differently. It's like he, he's the guy who's been kind of spotting up on the perimeter and getting open looks. We did see him kind of drive and create more in the regular season – that hasn't really been there for him. That the Hawks do have guys like uh, Hunter and just some big bodies to, to bother him. I mean, John Collins is a big athletic dude, um, and then Clint Capella protecting the rim. So there's there's a lot of guys to give Barrett problems. And I mean, the half court is one thing that like our half court offense has been pathetic, but the Knicks had zero fast break points in this game. I mean, that's a crazy stat. I don't know. I know that the Knicks probably rank towards the bottom of the league in fast break points per game uh, throughout the regular season, but to have zero, they just got no easy opportunities in this one. They were not looking to push. They, they weren't like pushing off turnovers. So I don't know, man, it was just offensively. This was ugly because defensively you look and the Hawks scored 105 points, not a ton of points. They shot, 60% 60% from three. They were 16 yeah. to 27. They hit over 50% of their shots. So to only give up 105 points, like that wasn't the problem. It was their offense was, they had no answers. There was no creativity. Then they just, they weren't consistently creating good looks. And then when they were, they were missing them. Yeah. I mean, the Knicks were only 11 turnovers, which is fine. That's that side of the Hawks. They shot 29 for 81. 35.8% from the field on the game. I mean, this there's really not much analysis to be done in this game. Know. You know, the R.J. Barrett was bad. Julius Randle was bad. The Knicks shot 36%. The, you're never going to win a game with that happening. But even more than that, I mean, Alec Burks, 2 of 8. Emmanuel yeah. quickly 2 of 8. He was getting his shots blocked and just quickly, quickly seemed so hesitant to pull the trigger. He was really making me angry, like – this is the guy who had so much swagger, even in that game one where he was pulling from nearly the logo. And he needs to be that guy that has the confidence to just let it fly because there are too many Knicks guys who just seem a little scared of the moment and aren't, aren't taking their shots with confidence. I mean, Reggie Bullock tonight was three of eight from the field, just two of six from three. You know, he's not the reason that we lost by any means, but it's just like no one's, stepping up and shooting the ball particularly well, other than, and we keep saying other than Derrick Rose. But, I mean, Burks, one of five from three, quickly only took one three-pointer. That's really bizarre for him. Um, and I felt like he had a lot more opportunities. He was getting high ball screens. He had plenty of, of chances to hit those threes and just wasn't taking them. So, he, he missed his only free throw of the game, too. So, it, it wasn't – it's easy to point to just Randall and Barrett, and I think that those are 
the reasons primarily the reasons that we lost, but it's not like they're getting a lot of, uh, you know, no one else is really picking up the slack on the bench either. Yeah. I mean, you look at our team, I'm, we're mentioning those players didn't play well. The Hawks had seven players in double digits and Lou Williams scored nine. So it was just a team effort over there, just putting us, putting us away. I mean, I mean, at the end there, they were just doing whatever they wanted. When the Knicks got desperate, John Collins was just throwing alley-oops to Capella. I mean, DeAndre Hunter all game was just hunting R.J. Barrett. He just, he just was like every time he had Barrett on him, which was whenever Barrett was in, he would just go at him. And he seemed to be doing pretty well. Yeah, he wasn't missing. Like, you know, game two, Hunter was missing every wide-open shot. It seemed like the MSG crowd got in his head. I mean, in this one, he really was just going at Barrett, and he was making shots that I felt like he had no business making. So, I, yeah, he I, shot like a Kevin Knox floater from the free throw line at one point. And it just went in. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, I mean, nothing was clicking for us. I mean, they, they probably would say it wasn't all clicking for them, but I mean, they were hot from three, and they were, they got a contributions from everybody. But so they had a good game. We had a a really, really bad game, and we only lost by 11. I guess that's a mild – I mean, there are no moral victories, but maybe maybe that one's a, okay. I mean, they, but I think this was just one of those games that you just pretend it didn't happen, and then you come out in game four and, and play. I think that's right. You try and forget this one as quickly as possible as long as you – I mean, hopefully – Again, I don't know how much there is to learn here. I really hope that Randall continues to study the defense that the Hawks have been throwing at him. It's been the same every time. So just find the outlets. Like, let's get some movement on the weak side and, and get some guys open for Randall for when they double him or they load up on, on the strong side. Like, it's it's not that complicated, but the Knicks kind of make it look really hard. So I don't know. Like, was there anything – from this game that like you, you were worried about carrying over to game four, or do you think like pretty much blank slate it's, you're not worried about any kind of momentum or, or carryover effect. I mean, they're, they're the crowd, the home court in the playoffs is seems to be very real. Uh, they, their crowd was, was into it, especially when you get on a 22 to three run. That's, that's especially when, when the game gets out of control in that second quarter, the Knicks were actually winning and then, they gave up a, a big run and they were losing by double digits at halftime. And that you let that happen, the crowd's going to get into it and bad gets worse quickly. Yeah, man. That was the, that was the full game right there. Knicks won the first quarter, tied the third quarter, won the fourth quarter and lost that second quarter by 16 points. So yeah. that's, that's the ball game. Yeah. So, I mean, the only carryover is is we can't we can't have bad games from Julius Randle especially, uh, and RJ Bear needs to step up as well. The worrisome thing though is like that's it's three in a row, you know. Yeah, Randle I right. guess found found something a little bit in that second half, but now he never really looked like full Randle in yeah. any of these games. So it's like you know how much of it is just you know stat like statistically it's going to even out. He's going to start hitting shots versus something you know, something more serious? Like, or is it not that deep? No, I mean, I, I understand. The six for 23, five for 16, two for 15. 
it's three bad games. And maybe it's a, it's a playoff thing. <laughs> and but like we said, he's he's just missing, and, and he's just not making plays and doing crazy stuff. So I think he's in his own head a lot, and he can be better. We know he can be better. This guy was unbelievable with the things he was doing during the regular season. So it, it's it's re- it's really up to him. If Lewis Randall's not good, the Knicks are also not good, as they, they would be the team that we thought they were going to be coming into this season if Julius Randle was was who we thought Julius Randle was. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, that's all true. So I don't, I don't want to dwell on this much longer. So I don't know if you have anything, any final thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, Obi Toppin's still giving some good minutes if you want to end on another positive. Like, he was fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Derrick Rose had an incredible alley-oop to him. That, oh, yeah. was, that was nuts. Yeah. That was my one – I was going to ask you. You said we had zero fast break points. I feel like that was a fast break point. Yeah, so I'm looking at ESPN.com's uh, box score here, and they have the, the fast break points. But you're right, like, that – almost 100% should count as a fast break point. So I don't know why that didn't register for ESPN.com's play-by-play data, but um, that's what I get for relying on the box score. So maybe we had two, which is yeah. still bad. It's not great. Um, I don't know. Do you think that, that the next game we'll see Alfred Payton, or do you think he's done for good? I mean, I, I think he's done. Like – like I said, Derrick Rose was not the issue here. He was the only good thing that was happening. And I don't know that putting him on the bench and having him come off um, five minutes later would, would be would be the difference in this this type of game. And Pellet Payton was was tough to tough to watch. I mean it wasn't all his fault, but he was just, you know, trying to trying to do too much knowing that he had to do something. And he and he failed to do that and this is where that single game plus minus number gets wonky because you know Derek Rose had the worst plus minus on the team with minus 16 but it's yeah. like he was so clearly the only guy who was competing <laughs> and keeping us in it so it's like that's you know that does make you kind of want to throw out that stat every single time it makes it completely it nullifies its importance in any way when I see the Derek Rose has the worst plus minus here because just how much better he was than everyone else on the team. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I think, I think that should do it for us. We're going to need a better game next game in game four from, from everybody on the Knicks. And uh, except Derek Rose, Derek Rose can continue to do what he's doing. If he wants to do better, that'd be great. I don't know how he could, but hopefully, hopefully everyone comes to play, but, Go next. Next say.